0: Hey guys, this is Kyle Klammer here. And this is Zach Welch. I'm Eric Albrecht. And this is... The Good Life
1: Bowhunter, the official podcast of the NBA.
0: You bet. It's good to be back, guys. It's been a, been a little while. I had a few life events here kind of get in the way of recording podcasts, so... Yeah, <laughs> just, just Congratulations yeah, there, congrats. Papa. Thanks, man. It's been, been a ride so far. It's been a lot of fun. So. Are you sleeping much? It hasn't been too bad, really. It's been like, I don't know, about... She's about every three hours, she's doing something. So, yeah, that's you know, good. Eating, sleeping, pooping, pretty much is it. So, that's, good. well, a lot like, like me, but <laughs> I sleep yeah. more. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I hear you, man. So, um, Well, we're just going to jump into things real quick here. Um, Zach, you want to just run in, run through our uh, um, uh, NBA announcements here real quick?
1: Yep. So we got the NBA banquet coming up here in a little over a month. It's March 6th and 7th here in Kearney at the Ramada Inn. So if you want any more info or need to order tickets, go to NebraskaBowHuntersAssociation.com. You'll be able to find everything you need there. Don't uh, put off getting your tickets for too long. You don't want to put that off to last minute. So send in for your tickets. It's always a good time. Good to see some members and catch up on everybody's hunting season. Look at trophies and all that kind of stuff. You don't want to miss out on it.
0: Definitely.
2: And the guest speaker this year, Nick Munt. Nick Munt, yeah yeah yep.
0: absolutely be it'll be it'll really be there. good, yeah, um yeah, a couple you, you touched on two things there real quick, Zach, um number one, um yeah, try to get the your tickets in as soon as you can, just that helps with seating and everything, so trying to get you know everybody where they want to sit with whoever, um, and then the other thing that you said, number two, uh guys, if you have any mounts, please, please, please absolutely. bring them, bring them, everybody wants to see them. like like seeing them so um it'd be good to good to see everybody's trophies from you know i mean obviously sometimes people don't have theirs from last fall back but if you have the year before or even if you've never brought one bring something so well this
2: year they're doing a a contest yeah oh entering a raffle is that what it is A raffle
0: every mount that you bring you're going to get a raffle
1: ticket and the prize is a reinhardt target i believe so nice
2: yeah, yep. you get one ticket per mount. You get one correct? ticket per mount. That's what yep. you said, yeah, okay. And Europeans,
1: yep.
0: shoulders, yeah. anything. So I'm going to go rob a couple mounts from somebody. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, no, so that's, geez, I, I guess I didn't even realize that, but that's yeah. awesome. So Perfect, yep. well, good. All the more reason to bring them. So, um. I
2: guess it does, just to be clear, it does have to be an archery kill. Yes, yeah. sorry. Just, yeah. so I, yeah. well, <laughs> just to make sure everybody that's never been there or maybe never brought one, it is, it is something that was bow killed. Yep. Uh, yep. Traditional bow or yep. compound. Yep. Kill only, but yeah, just clear that up
0: for sure. Good, good point. Um, excellent. Well, let's just yeah jump right in. Any any other announcements? I guess I think. That I guess
2: sense. one more thing on the banquet too yep. is I don't know where we're sitting with uh, motel rooms. Uh, I haven't really heard or from Rick at all for the Ramada Inn. Uh, they usually go fast. Yeah. They so do if you hard. have not called. Call in. Yep. If by chance <clears throat> excuse me. If by chance they are full, which hopefully they're not, but if you haven't and they are, there are a couple motels very close. Yep. They're within walking distance. So yeah. you know, don't just rule out coming because the motel's full or something. There's there's plenty other options. But uh definitely I haven't heard from Rick if they're full yet or not. I guess I don't know. But
0: seems like late the past few years there's always been some maybe. yeah I don't know. well a lot of times <laughs> but, yeah. i think but i wouldn't wait that's not what i'm saying yeah. but no definitely. i just
2: a lot of yeah. times getting closer to it yeah people end up booking yeah. and then decide they can't make it so there's cancels and yep. cancellations and for sure all that good stuff so there is a chance but anyway if if by chance they are full or tell you they're out of rooms there is other options so don't just
0: turn it down because of that so definitely good anything else Nope. Okay. I think that's it. Um, one thing we really wanted to hit on uh, this episode, and I'm going to get this one out as soon as we can just because of the events um, that transpired today. Um, but we just want to touch quick on uh, LB 126. Um, Eric, if you want to give us a quick rundown of that, if you wouldn't mind, just so everybody is kind of on the same page and familiar with, with what this um, it's, it's going through the Nebraska legislature right now. So in every bow hunter in the state needs to be aware of it. Yeah. Uh,
2: like we said, the, the legislature is in session right now. Uh, things are piling through. There's a ton of bills right now that uh, the Nebraska Sportsman Foundation, who does a really good job at the at the front lines of watching these, uh, four sportsmen and women of the state, um, they're keeping an eye on. But the one that is really picking up steam is an old bill, actually, mm-hmm. LB-126 introduced by Senator Hughes. I know Senator Erdman is all over it too but uh what it is and I know we've discussed this on
0: Facebook and everywhere else but and we've briefly touched on it on the podcast previously right, yeah. But, yeah
2: it allows qualifying landowners to receive up to four free firearm deer hunting permits and allows them to be used I believe it's now four or five days ahead yeah. of the normal Nebraska yep. rifle season that was seven they've amended that down to Anywhere from three to five. I guess we're not sure. It's still murky on a lot of this. Yep. But uh it was to the fact that if they would the landowners would qualify if they allowed fifty percent or more or no, I'm sorry, fifty percent of their land to be public yep. during the rifle season, they have amended that out. So yep. now from what I gather, it is nothing more than you In landowners will get four free season. firearm early rifle season yep. permits
0: yep that's all it is exactly
2: so as bow hunters this should be extremely alarming yep um obviously into the fact that this cuts into the most prime days that we have definitely and from what i've gathered they voted on it today january well just today 30th yep, yep. january 30th in the uh uh general file of the legislator it passed 38 to 1 uh to move on to select file Uh, from what i've been told and what we've been told if it gets out of select file which will be the next vote in a couple weeks give or take when this podcast will air but yeah i'll get it like i said i'll get it as soon as i can but but, yeah. yeah but it will be it is it is the time to act is now yep because if this comes out and it gets out of select file voted in there is a third phase but from what I've gathered, it'll it's going to pass. Yep, yep. So they've kind of snuck this in. Senator Hughes has been working on this for three years now. Yeah. It's actually caught steam this time. I, we don't really know why, but it is. Uh, the biggest thing we could suggest, or not just suggest, we're about Highly to the point recommend. of begging you. Please, yeah. please,
0: please do. Contact Anybody that's your, listening to this yes. needs to.
2: Contact your senators, each and every one. Uh, if we can get everybody to write a letter opposing this, tell them that LB one twenty six does no good. Uh, there is a, I, I I don't see a topside. I don't see an upside no. to this bill at all. No. Uh, from compensation to farmers to landowners to any help to the public. I mean, as a public land hunter or or a landowner hunter, uh, just an yep. average Joe like myself, I it, it seems nothing but damaging. Yeah, Even I mean, outside of bow hunting. I mean, this is... For sure. Rifle hunting, it don't matter.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think originally, you know, it was supposed to be like, oh, you know, it's going to open up, you know, land for people to hunt during the rifle season or but whatever. They, but now it's not even that. No, so they it's amended just, that out,
1: yeah. so it has nothing to do with that. Nothing, nothing no,
0: to do with that. it literally yeah.
2: states that uh, landowners would receive up to four permits. Yep. Four days ahead of the regular rifle season. So... I Just an early rifle season, basically. I, I would, I would highly recommend. Please write your senators now. Yeah. Send them an email. Uh, if we can, you know, if we can get two people for each senator, there's 49 in the state. Yep. If we can get two people per district to send a letter opposing this LB 126, telling them, uh, asking them to please oppose, it would be detrimental to this bill. So yeah just keep that in mind and it needs to happen now. And so as soon as you hear this, please, we'll, you know, we'll put stuff on Facebook, get it out there, write your senators, email them letters, whatever you need to do calls, you know, be, be kind, be respectful. Definitely. Please. I mean, being rude and upset doesn't help anything being respectful to them, being kind and just letting them know where you stand is huge. Yep. It's time for the hunters of the state to stand up and demand that, this doesn't do good.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, like you said, Eric, the time to act is now. There's no, there's no waiting around. Like we've kind of touched on this previously and, you know, we said, right, your senators do those things. Um, now you just, we just need to do it. It just needs to happen because otherwise this is going to pass. It's absolutely critical. I
1: mean, it's, it's going to be devastating if this passes. I can, can, can tell you that for about everybody.
0: So yeah, for sure. Yep. But, okay. Anything else on that, guys? Nope. I think we said enough. And yeah. I yeah, think we'll, the, we'll
2: probably have more between Facebook, probably more on the podcast. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and online, we'll have more coming down the And If pipe.
1: you do have any questions, don't hesitate to contact your area rep. You know, look online, you know, at the exact details. But we kind of lined it out what it is and basically just. Act on it because this is a, a serious I'm, deal.
2: I'm assuming in your seminar you'll give at the banquet, Zach. This is probably going to come up, so
0: I wouldn't doubt it one bit. And you it better should start studying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, all right, contact your senators. Yep. Enough said. So, all, all right. right. Uh moving on, let's uh we're gonna touch on the recipe of the podcast. Zach, yeah. you got something in store for us. So, for that, uh
1: so. I got some corn venison, one of my favorites actually. We started doing this last year. Kind of something new I wanted to try, and I actually found this recipe online, just tried it once. And it's fairly simple. Um basically all you need is a half a gallon of water, a half a cup of kosher salt, a third cup of sugar and a half ounce of Instacure number one, which is basically, it's like an Instacure, it's a pink powder. I got mine off Amazon, I think, Mm -hmm. and you can get like a two pound package for like seven bucks or so. So it's super, super cheap. Anyways, a tablespoon of cracked black pepper, um, a tablespoon of toasted coriander seeds, six bay leaves, a tablespoon of mustard seeds, um, a tablespoon of dried thyme, a teaspoon of caraway seeds, a stick of cinnamon, and five chopped garlic cloves. And that will do around somewhere around five pounds of meat. So if you're doing more, double that. Um, Basically, you're going to throw all of those ingredients that I said, aside from the meat, into a boiling pot of water. And you're going to bring it to boil, let it boil a little bit, and then you're just gonna set it on the counter or wherever and let it cool to room temperature. Then you just find a nice big container that's gonna fit all that liquid and then your meat. And I I put the lid on it and I just put my meat in there, and you're gonna leave it covered. You know, two pounds might only need three to four days. Five pounds, I usually go by the rule of thumb of seven days for five pounds. The longer you leave it in there. The, you know, more flavor, the saltier it's going to be. I always err on the side of more days. Um, But you flip it one to two times a day. So basically you leave it sitting there for, you know, five to seven days, flipping it once, twice a day. Then all you got to do after that is I put mine in the crock pot for eight to 10 hours on low. And man, I'll tell you what, it's awesome. You can do a lot of things with it. You can eat it plain. You can make Rubens with it, which is what we normally do. And it's outstanding. I mean, I honestly couldn't tell you the difference between beef and venison with it. So yeah. it's been a new thing. We've tried a lot, and I highly recommend trying it. If you know you got a hind quarter roast or shoulder roast or something, it's can't go wrong with it.
2: I tried some of it just
1: at the bunny a couple hunt. weekends ago. Yeah, the bunny good stuff, isn't good. it? Okay.
0: So speaking no. speaking of the bunny hunt no <laughs> well, <don't laughs> no worry. yeah no yeah that's awesome zach thank you
2: for uh so it's not that's something it. i can make tonight oh.
1: i probably no, i won't
2: try it tonight <laughs> fair enough the speed the speed corn I mean, venison
1: you could try yeah. it and
2: let me know how it turns out how's but... it work in the microwave
1: yeah <laughs> well you can try it and let us know yeah. all
0: right i'll get back with you uh, <laughs> um perfect no yeah i've i've had some too and that stuff's really good um, no, uh, yeah, I easy recipe Super just takes some time. Yep, that's time, time, time. A lot of I feel like a lot of recipes that's that's the name of the game, it's just takes some time to get it all right. But, um, but yeah, like I said, uh, speaking of the bunny hunt, um, I'm gonna have Eric just touch on uh, our trophy wall segment this week, and he's gonna talk about a fun little event. Uh, Eric, take it away. Well, I I'm actually sitting here with two
2: not, well, yeah, pretty much original members. We'll just throw out there since they were born, but neither of them made it no. to our annual bunny hunt this year. Yeah. Kyle oh. had a really good excuse, I figured. Yeah. Maybe. Well, you You know. should have heard your dad just, like, yeah, what a quitter. Said, no, I'm just kidding. But anyway, yeah, we went up there to Ainsworth to our annual uh, bunny blunners invite. I'm sure everybody that's been to NBA events has seen the jackets going around. But, oh, yeah. Uh, it's a lot of fun, something we look forward to. And I brought my oldest Cody this year for his first time. And uh, he had a lot of fun. And it was a good time. There was, I, I can't remember the amount of people that showed up. There was a whole bunch, but.
0: Always a good time. It for was. Sure. It yeah. was. How was the bunny hunting this year?
2: Uh, it was tough. Yeah, it was tough. The wind howled all day, but we, you know, we should have had a lot more. Some of them in our team really struggled shooting, but we'll we'll leave them nameless. <laughs> as, as, his, as his, I init-
1: his initials didn't start with Eric Albrecht, did it?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Why? why no they didn't actually yeah. <laughs> no no. it was it was a lot of fun we had good it was it was tough hunting but we i think if i remember right we only killed 29 yeah which is yeah. which is still good i mean that yeah. works but for what we're used to that was definitely down but we had a lot of fun we made up for it and, and a ton of fun we had good food including your corned deer recipe yeah. that your dad had there and we made rubens and philly steaks for everybody deer steaks i say we he did and everybody else had helped, but it was uh it was a lot of fun. We had a good time and my boy had a great time. He missed a few rabbits and tried to get a Perfect. few shots off, but yeah. it was yeah. it was fun. So I guess we all did. But yeah, anyway, it. it was a lot of fun, we had a good time and looking forward to it
0: already. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta miss a few though when you're young like that. It makes you appreciate he when does. you actually hit one later. But. <laughs> you're right. That's what I told him. I said, if you came
2: out here and killed every the first rabbit you shot at, what what fun would that be? Exactly. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Wouldn't
0: yeah. you just be spoiled? Yeah, no, that's always a great time, a lot of fun. I was sad I missed it, but like I said, you know, when you're I guess when you have a kid, you know, and it's about Well how let's see. She have like She'd have been like three or four days old then. So yeah. Yeah. Have, she's old enough. Come <laughs> <Yeah>. on now. You <laughs> should have just brought her along, right? You just yeah. tell mama I'll be back. <laughs> yeah. We'll see you. <laughs> I'm kidding. That was a joke. Yeah. Oh, anyhow. Good. Well, thanks, Eric. That's perfect. Thank you for for sharing that. But always a good time up there. So um, moving on here. Uh, I guess any listener emails, questions? I don't think we really had anything. Don't have any. So yeah. if if you have
1: anything, I mean, any recommendations any questions for us or anything don't don't hesitate to reach out to us
0: yep facebook or the you know, i always say our email any podcast at gmail.com um yep yeah being us. a
2: guest on here guys i'm telling you when i came in and they opened this up before the podcast and there was nothing in there they they looked sad yeah. so <laughs> somebody needs to send something in there yeah. i would but even, I think even if just,
1: you want to bash us a little bit yeah that's let fine us,
0: let us have it yeah We'll just um, read it out loud with your name. Yeah. We'll, yeah. <laughs> so the other thing we mentioned last time too, if you wouldn't mind, uh if you go on and iTunes or wherever you're listening from and give us a, a rating or like or some comments that um kinda helps us just I don't know, maintain our, our status on the on the uh uh the podcasting uh, platforms or whatever. So anyhow, just just throw that in there too but if or yeah you know, give us a unlike or whatever i guess i don't know yeah, whatever please, any any please. constructive criticism is well legal. five
2: stars would be good and i know it does help to get, does. You, yeah. get you get yep. you available and um so i think we've we shared too how to how people can find it that might not know how i think we did didn't we yeah
0: but, we've kind of touched on it um Yeah. And I mean, if anybody sees me or Zach or Eric or whoever at the banquet, and I mean, if you, if you have any questions about how to, you know, find this stuff, you know, or how to, how to listen to the podcast, I mean, I guess I don't know how you'd be listening now and not, and not you know what I mean? But like how you'd be listening and not know how to find it. But, (laughs) but if you, if you have any questions about it, um, you know, we'd be more than happy to help you. Or if you have questions about how to get it on your phone or, you know, if you're just listening to it on your computer, whatever. We can help you out with that stuff. So, is that like driving
2: to the restaurant you want to go to, and yeah. then getting in and asking them how directions to get? To yeah, restaurant? I think yeah. so. I think that's kind of. After I started <laughs> saying a good that, point. I was like, no, I'm the one that brought it up. No, it? no, uh, it's
0: a good, it's a good uh, point. And then know, I was like, wait a minute, yeah. I think if you're listening right now, you probably already know. So, but <laughs> good job, you found us. <laughs> yeah. uh, so anyhow, but yeah, send us some stuff. We'd we'd appreciate it. So, um, perfect. Well, moving on. Then we're gonna. R- jump right into our kind of main, main event here. So, um, Zach actually, uh, a couple weeks ago was, was down in the warm state of Arizona, um, doing a little coos deer hunting. Um, and Zach, you want to just kind of run into that and give us kind of a quick rundown as to what you were doing and we'll go from there. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, this hunt kind of came up You know, I
1: didn't have it planned this summer or anything, and about a week before Thanksgiving break, my buddy Josh Foster was like, hey, you know, he had mentioned something a while back about possibly going to Arizona and hadn't said anything since, and all of a sudden, you know, about a week before Thanksgiving, he's like, hey, would you be interested in going to Arizona over Christmas break? And at the time, my mom actually, ironically, was texting me that day asking what I wanted for Christmas because I... Can, i didn't give her my christmas list and was in a little bit of trouble and just jokingly said how about a plane ticket to arizona thinking you know, my mom <laughs> she'll shoot it down in a heartbeat and surprisingly she said well how much you know would this cost and all this and we'll get into this later how you know this is people talk about this hunt being any man's hunt yeah and it really is fairly reasonable and you know i talked to her and my dad over the next couple of days, made some contacts, you know, people who I knew had been on this hunt. And long story short, I guess, uh, we decided to go on this hunt shortly after New Year's. And uh, we so we drove down there. We decided to drive, not fly. We decided to take a blind with us. By the time we calculated costs for all the stuff we needed to take and what it would cost in gas, it was just cheaper to drive the whole thing, you know. Yeah. So yeah, that that's kinda how it came to be. But before I get into that, those of you who don't know really much about Coos deer, um, they're a unique little critter. They they're actually named after Doctor Elliot Coos, who was a surgeon who was who was with the United States Army, who was stationed in Fort Whipple, Arizona, about eighteen sixty five and he was the first to scientifically describe these deer. And they're a little different than our deer we got back here, you know. You think of a mature buck back here, you know, weighing 270, 280, you know. These things, a mature buck's going to weigh about 100 pounds. And mm-hmm. Pope and Young, for one of them, typicals, 70 inches. So, you know, they're little, tiny little deer. And uh, you'll get to hear, you know, in some of these stories and stuff, just how different they act, you know. They're pretty cool, though. So, anyways... Josh and I decided to go on this trip i I had went home for christmas break came back a couple of days early started packing some stuff and we didn't we didn't really know what to expect um we had a good family friend who I reached out to down there who had done some coos hunting who's who's lived down there you know and uh been around that like coos hunting a little bit so I kind of reached out to him you know picked his brain a little bit he was really helpful to us and kind of got us pointed in the right direction and uh basically i mean there's no secret to what units we're hunting down there i mean they're only found in a handful of units yeah so we ultimately decided you know 33 around tucson was was probably our best bet you know it's a huge unit so we you know did online research reached out to to our buddy and kind of got us pointed in the right direction you know found some spots on on x and basically did some online scouting that's all we had going in you know we listen to a couple other podcasts, watch some online videos, you know, kind of what to expect. And I really went into this hunt. I, you know, I had no clue what to expect. And that was kind of the fun part in it. So, so I came back to Carney, like I said, a couple of days early from break. Um, I think we left like January, I want to say like fifth, maybe fifth or sixth. And loaded my stuff up. Josh had to work in Lincoln that day, and I, w- I wish we had Josh on here to, to talk, but but uh, he's in Lincoln, so you'll uh, if you see him down at the banquet, you'll have to talk to him about it. But anyways, Josh came here, met me at my apartment. I think he got here at like nine. We left straight from here, drove straight through the night. I drove through the night because Josh had work, and uh, it was about just under seventeen hours straight through from here to Tucson. That that was included a couple stops, to switch, and get gas and stretch you, out
2: the legs and stuff. Did you actually sleep when it wasn't your turn to drive?
1: Um, I slept twenty seven minutes. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so so Josh, Josh got a few hours, but I I slept a lot the night before going down there, and I switched him. I think I switched him just outside of Santa Fe. We stopped at a gas station. We got a bite to eat, and I slept, and I remember just putting my hat down, putting on my sunglasses, and going to sleep, and I woke up thinking, oh, we're probably a few hours down the road, and it was, I think, like 27 minutes later. (laughs) Oh, my God. And and I got up, and and Josh was like, yeah, you better sleep a little more, man. I was like, I can't. Like, I'm wired right now, and I didn't sleep the rest of the the, way.
2: That's the reason I was asking, because there's no way I could have slept. I I, no, I, 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 I would have c- been wide awake Just,
1: I couldn't I, and that's the thing I went to sleep and like was, there's was still a little bit of darkness left and when I woke up it was just cracking light and I saw that I'd slept less than a half hour and I was like nope I'm not going back to sleep <laughs> I, I was too excited and get you, some coffee yeah if yeah. you if you look at pictures from that first day or even the video that josh made you'll see my eyes are pretty bloodshot for those first couple days but
0: i was watching the video i noticed i was like oh man oh he looks yeah pretty i tired. was yeah yeah i
1: i was pretty tired but man i we were wired both of us were yeah. but anyways we stopped and and uh just just outside of tucson is one of or no it was uh man i can't remember the name of the little town now but anyways, we stopped at the local Walmart there and go in to buy our tags. This is this is an over-the-counter hunt, by the way. And uh, yeah. anyone can do this. I mean, so we bought our hunt licenses. You got to have that first. And then uh, go in to buy our tags at the local Walmart. And believe it or not, the lady said, you guys got here just in time because a few hours ago we were completely sold out and got just a new booklet in. And everywhere in Tucson is sold out. So we would have spent... I mean, that first afternoon that we got there, we left at nine o'clock here at night and got there at like, I don't know, one o'clock the next day or something in the afternoon. So we would have had to spend that whole first afternoon trying to find somewhere to buy a freaking tag. So we get our tags and uh, our first spot actually was, I want to say, it was only like 20 some miles from that Walmart. So we start driving there and we're just like, oh, we'll be there in no time, you know we came to find out, you know, 20 some miles on those Arizona roads are a little different than <laughs> 20 miles of gravel roads here in Nebraska and yeah. A couple times you're going 2 3 miles an hour there and it got a little got a little touch and go there when you're going back in there but
2: well, touch and go through the pass uh, there.
0: Huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the
1: Ford Escape was working pretty hard there a little bit. So, didn't have a pickup. Had had my Escape, but we made her just fine back in there. Had a couple scary moments, but we we got pretty professional navigating those roads, but that's beside the point. Anyways, we get to the first spot, and uh, it was kind of down on the desert floor where we parked, and there was a guy glassing in the parking lot. And this really was surprising because I thought we'd go in there, you know, and run into a lot of hunters. That's the stuff you hear about when they're hunting, when people are hunting Arizona. And, you know, we talked to the guy, he had his wife and his kid there that had to be less than a year old. And they were basically just looking up on the mountain, just glass, and, you know, they weren't hunting, and we're just like, well, we don't want to get in your guys' way, and he's like, no, nope, we're just looking. So we got our stuff, you know, put on our packs, and basically started hiking up this mountain to get advantage on them. We had really no idea where to go, you know, these deer live between, you know, they say 3,500 and 9,000 feet, and when, you know, probably you're looking between six and 9,000 feet where these deer hang out, they're... You know, it's crazy. You wouldn't think they live up in the mountains, and you scan up on these slopes, and there's whitetails running around, you know, on rock (laughs) faces and stuff. It's just weird. Anyways, this first spot we hike clear up this mountain, we found out pretty quick, you know, kind of like the roads walking's not like it is back here in Nebraska. Everything wants to stick you and grab you, and it takes you twice as long to walk through everything, and I don't know how long it took us to get from our car to this glassing point, but we covered a lot of miles and climbed a lot of elevation from the car. So about an hour and a half later, I'd say we find this glassing point, and point there's, you know, an hour of light left at that point maybe. And we're just like, well, Josh, I, I sent Josh around the other side of the mountain. He's going to glass down in the valley. And I was glassing kind of up this valley that goes up this mountain slope. And there's a waterfall right there kind of where these three cricks come together. And I'm just like, well, something's got to show up here, you know? And, glass that whole evening i didn't spot anything and josh spotted four does and you know walking through that bottom we had seen a lot of sign around the creek so we knew there were deer there and he spotted those four does and you know it was kind of a quick start because we didn't know exactly if we'd get there in time to glass that first night so josh spotted those four does and we're just like well you know they're going to be kicking in the full rut here this The second week of January, if there's does, there's bucks somewhere. So we kind of went back to camp, flying high. You know, we were obviously super tired from the drive out. We made a little fire, cooked some supper, set up the tent. We were out pretty quick. And the next morning...
2: Did you camp, like, down... Did you camp right there, up high, or did you go back down to We
1: went back down. We brought stuff to spike out, but we just... I mean, I don't know how far it was to camp, a mile and a half, two miles maybe, down the mountain like in the parking
2: lot so to speak or was it basically yeah yeah.
1: i mean it it wasn't a parking lot basically it was just a dead end uh, gravel road essentially but yeah we parked right there made a little fire camped out grilled, went to bed and i mean mean, kind of flying high because we didn't expect to really spot anything we found a lot of tracks so the next morning we you know hike out early in the morning and uh get back to the same glassing spot essentially And the wind was howling and we didn't spot squat at that first spot. And, you know, at this point, we're kind of feeling discouraged. And looking back, honestly, you know, we thought that first spot, we even, you know, our buddy even said, you know, this first spot's probably your best one. And we weren't seeing anything, so we were super discouraged. We're just like, you know, what the the heck? This is supposed to be the best spot. You know, we knew there were deer there. You know, the tracks were everywhere. Mm -hmm. And looking back, we were honestly, we weren't looking high enough, you know. And we were looking basically down on the desert floor and up at that waterfall. So we were maybe looking at 4,000 feet. But, I mean, in reality, the deer were probably up behind us in those peaks. So, I mean, we we glassed everything good, though. I mean, we picked it apart every nook and cranny down along the creek where we had seen tracks. And actually, you know, we decided ultimately, you know, we'd glassed a few hours and weren't seeing anything. And we both decided, you know what, we got enough spots let's not waste a whole day here, you know, when we only got five days to hunt, six days to hunt. We decided we had plenty of spots, and Josh was like, you know what, let's go down to that valley where the waterfall is. It looks, I mean, ever since we hiked in there, we decided, you know, we're just like, this place looks prime, you know. If deer are here, they're going to be in this valley where it's just lush, there's plenty of cover, and so Josh was like, I'm going to hike up to the head of that waterfall and basically walk the creek down to you. And so we did, we didn't push anything out and there were a lot of tracks along the creek and Josh is like, you know what, let's move on to the next spot. And, you know, you hate to leave a spot where there's a lot of tracks, but we hadn't seen any deer. And so we left and we went to a spot northeast of Tucson and uh, this stuff, this first spot we hunted was like really deserty. I mean, just like loose rock, cactus everywhere. I mean, just the harshest environment you can imagine. And this other spot we went to, um, it changed a lot. We got up actually into the mountains where there was some snow. <laughs> and, you know, we get to this glassing point that we had picked out on Onyx. And we get there, we it just like, man, this is like straight up mountains. This looks like sheep country up here, like not deer country. And I remember we get to the glassing spot or whatever. And you can just see, I mean, for miles, you can see the you know the range to the east of us you can see the you can just see every direction and uh i remember just going to set my tripod down and grabbing a snack out of my backpack and four does bust out from right under me and so the spot i'm in i'm up on this tall like peak and then it drops straight down into this creek and then on the other side it rises back up i mean almost vertical on this mountain face i remember I called Josh over, I said, hey, I just bumped four does, you know, there's deer here, and he's like, well, just keep an eye on them, you know, and I could see the does, they're going into the trees or whatever, so I sat down, pulled my tripod out, put my binoculars on, and start scanning the opposite hill, and I had my glass set on this one point, and all of a sudden, a deer runs right through my, right through the middle of my binoculars, and it was a doe, and I looked behind, and there's a buck chasing her, (laughs) and that was, you know, I, I whistle at Josh. I tried calling him and my phone wasn't going through. And so I whistle at Josh and, and, and finally got his attention. I said, I'm looking at my first coos deer buck. It was a nice three by four. And I mean, we are going to shoot anything with bone on its head. There's a nice three by four chasing this doe and a spike with him. And so, I mean, at that point, there's probably another hour left to a light and we just decided to watch them. I mean, there was no time to swing around the mountain, we didn't know you know what trails led there or anything exactly. So, we're like, let's just watch what they do, see if you know they bet or where they go, and we'll make a plan for morning. And so, Josh went back to the other side of the peak where he was glassing with his spotting scope and actually spotted four bucks um, just on the on this other mountainside that we actually ended up calling Buck Mountain that you'll hear about later right above camp essentially so we'd spotted two groups of bucks and decided we were going to come back to this spot in the morning where I'd seen that buck chasing the doe so we go back to camp you know set up the tent and uh basically ate a big dinner and got ready to go for the next day you know we plan on making our first stock then and so we wake up in the morning and it had to be twenty some degrees, I bet. I mean <laughs> That's ten- crazy. Twenty degrees in the desert. Twenty yeah, yeah, twenty degrees at night, and I mean it was getting up into the sixties in the day, you know, and anyways. So so we wake up that morning, there's a lot of frost on the ground, you know. We were up at I don't know I bet we were at six thousand feet there at camp and we we're glassing probably at seven. Yeah. And uh anyways we get up in the morning and we spot a couple does on that hillside where we i'd seen that buck and you know bucks are nowhere to be found and josh is glassing on the other side of the mountain and anyways <clears throat> he uh he's glassing on buck mountain right above camp and he spots some deer he's like you know i think we should go over there and see if we can get an eye on them and get closer he goes i watched him run over this ridge you know we're spotting nothing here we might as well go where the deer are so we go back through camp which is i mean only a mile from the spot where where we're glassing so we go back through camp get set up on on a on a hill that was facing
2: this buck mountain essentially was and, <clears throat> i missed it was that the actual name of the mountain or did no you guys we, just we name named it, it but, that okay it, sorry
1: it actually <laughs> i mean this is off topic but uh we found out at the end of the hunt it was actually where an old prison was. It was like there were all these old structures on the one side of it. They had built a prison into it in like the seventies huh. or something. In the seventies? Yeah, it was. It was an oh, old. That's cool. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. And anyways, I, I can't remember the the name of the mountain, but we called it Buck Mountain just because there were so many deer on it. So we're glassing from this little knob that's facing. You know, buck mountain from a half mile away and we spot like four or five bucks you know and one of them's one of them was the biggest buck we had spotted that trip and anyways so there's a parking lot between us and and this mountain and it's actually a popular hiking trail and there are all these bikers and stuff going through there and the deer just like don't even care that they're there they're so used to it and we're just like this is incredible you know not only are we seen whitetail and what looks like sheep country but there's bikers now going by them and stuff which would probably work to our advantage so anyways we cut through the parking lot and basically got to this little knoll that's on the side of the slope before it really starts cutting up and we had watched these deer feed into the little valley and so we get to this little glass and knob and we watch a spike in a doe bed on you know down in this creek bottom essentially and uh we're just like, all right, let's let's put a stalk on this buck. At this point, we're three hundred yards away, and you know we get eyes on them, and they're bedded, and we start creeping along, and we get up to this little rock face, and we can see them bedded there. And there, at this point, I think the doe was eighty four yards, and the buck was, I don't know, a hundred maybe. And these things, I mean, when I say that these things. I talked about how different they are than a Midwest whitetail. These things are so incredibly switched on, it blows my mind. Like, it just seems like these things are on pins and needles 24-7. I mean, they'll they'll just be walking and snapping their head in every direction, you know. Every, every step that they take, you know, they're looking. And I mean, it's just like... And this doe, I mean, just was like looking everywhere, and all of a sudden she locks eyes right on us and just pegs us. I mean, we're... I mean, I thought we were in pretty good cover, you know, and it's its just like she had us pegged. And uh, anyway, she kind of gets spooked and runs off, and the buck's still bedded there. And it's weird because when you bump them, these deer don't really run like, you know, like a deer back here where they'll just run for miles and miles. They might run 100 yards and they look around, which they're on a mountain face too, I mean, so they can see everything. So, I mean, this doe kind of ran off like 100 yards and is just looking around, and all of a sudden she beds, and the spike just slipped out of there. I mean, I have no idea where he went. He stood, and then the next second he was gone. That was kind of a theme for this trip. You know, you'd see a deer, and two seconds later he'd be gone. It's like when they go in the shade, they just disappear. I was showing Kyle a picture here earlier. I'd taken a picture, and... I thought I'd just taken one, like through my binoculars on accident or something. There's a deer right in the center of it, and it takes you forever just to pick it out. I mean, they just blend in like nothing. That's why they call them the gray ghosts. They just disappear out of nowhere. So, anyways, to make a long story short, we lost sight of the side of the spike and this doe had went over the ridge, and we start working up the mountain. And at the top of this mountain, there's about there's a literally a 90 degree rock face. And Josh is like, let's just walk along this rock face and wrap around the side of this mountain to see if we can see anything. So we get to the top of this mountain and I see a buck chase a doe right around the corner. And we're just like, all right, let's just keep working along this rock face. there below us. If we can get around them, you know, maybe we can cut them off. So we start scrambling along, the, along this rock face and wrap around the other side of this mountain. I see the doe down below us. She's like maybe 120, 30 yards away feeding, you know, and so we're kind of sitting there watching her and all of a sudden Josh grabs me and he, he's he's like, there's a buck down here, like right below us. And sure enough, I, I look down and this buck's following the trail right around the side of the mountain and we're a hundred yards above him, you know, like have our backs up against this 90 degree rock face. And Josh was like, I think he's going to come right below us. He's like, grab your grunt dude, grab your bow or whatever. So I slide off my pack, I knock an arrow and he went behind some trees at that point, and, and Josh's like, get right up there on the edge of this rock. And so I kneel down, and all of a sudden the buck pops out, and he's like right there, and he's looking at this doe. I mean, he he looked like he was going to chase her. And I told Josh, I'm going to range him right there, and I, I come to full draw. You know, I'm getting my pen settled on him, and he's like, he's 75. And, you know, it's like, I don't know, the wind the wind was really howling that day i mean and i was i was on him and i was like and then i'd be off him i know my blow was my bow was blowing all over you know how it goes and yeah it's like at that point you know there's a huge difference between you know shooting an antelope at 70 yards back here and shooting off of a rock face where you're unsteady with the wind blowing and you know, he, I decided to let down, you know, 75 yards as a poke, you know, in the wind, on a rock face, especially when the buck has no idea that we're there. And so he starts chasing this doe a couple seconds later anyways, and I grunt at him. And, you know, he kind of turns back and looks at us and then starts chasing her again. And then they end up going back the direction they came. And so we go back down the mountain around where that buck had came. And we walk around the corner and there's four bucks standing there just staring at us. I mean, it caught us so off guard. We we I mean we had went down right where that buck had walked thirty seconds before and there's four bucks standing there just looking at us. And I just instinctively come to full draw and I and I and I told Josh I'm like range him right there and they were sixty-four, I think, at that point. And so I come to full draw, lock in on this four by three, and I get my pen settled on him. And I'm, I'm, like, just getting ready to try to squeeze a shot off, and he bolted. And, I mean, that that was, I mean, the end of that. They they took off out of there, and looking back, I mean, we came to full draw twice at that point, but, I mean, it was a complete rodeo for 20 minutes. I mean, we were scrambling along, along that rock face trying to cut this buck off. There were rocks flying everywhere, and, I mean, they didn't know we were there, I mean before we you know walked on to him at 64 yards or whatever but that was kind of a rodeo we're just like you know that really wasn't a real stock we kind of just came in here and walked into their bedroom essentially and I mean kind of bumped them out of here so we let them rest and we we descended the mountain went back to the other glass and spot to try to get some eyes on the other bucks and You know, we didn't see much, spotted a couple does and went back to camp. We're just like, well, we'll go back up above camp and see what we can see in the morning. So we found ourselves back glass and Buck Mountain again in the morning and saw one spike on a far ridge. And kind of at that point, we started figuring, you know what, maybe these things are a little bit boogered. We kind of went in there not knowing what we were doing. And, you know, we, yeah, we did almost get a couple shots, but, you know, we clearly should have, I mean, been more careful walking through there. And so we went to where we saw the last spike along the backside of the mountain. And it turns out it was this huge burn area. And we didn't see anything. I mean, glass for a couple hours. And Josh is like, you know what? We we kind of both just decided, you know what? Let's just leave this area be. If we go, we got other spots to go. If we leave it rest, you know, we know there's deer here. They're pretty territorial. I mean, they say you bump a cuse deer and they, they stay in the same mile square radius I guess of where they were born so they don't like leaving the territory they're in we're just like if we leave these things rest for a day or two you know we even talk to our buddy they're they're gonna be here I mean if we come back in 24 to 48 hours so ultimately we decided to go down south of Tucson which this was an hour drive and we left there a little before noon packed up camp and we got into some really cool country there we went up in the Santa Rita's this is some different area I mean this was I mean like I said before there's no secret in what units we were in I mean there's only a handful that hold coos and they're so big so anyways we went in the Santa Rita mountains and this was some really really cool country we uh this was like I don't know kind of like that yellow savanna grass that you normally see on typical coos hunting shows and Mm -hmm. it leads up into some really snowy high peaks and we saw a couple does and spent that evening. We basically were on this one mountainside and uh, walked up through this valley to this glassing point. We scouted out on Onyx and we found a gold pan walking through there. So kind of, it was just some really cool country. You know, it felt like we were in like elk country or something there. Just to see something different. And that night, you know, we didn't really glass anything up. It was just some fresh area and we had been kind of looking at some maps as or Josh was, i should say looking at some maps as we were driving that day and uh he's like you know on the other side of this mountain range there's supposedly a lot of mule deer and he's like it'd be you know after we get down here from here glass and if we don't spot anything i think we should drive to the other side of this mountain range camp out there and maybe see if we can find a muley in the morning and so that was the plan we you know, picked everything apart, glass, didn't see much, saw, saw a lot of does actually, you know, we saw a handful of does, bump some out, you know, no bucks or anything. So we're just like, let's, let's go around to the other side of this mountain and, and see what we can spot. And, uh, so we ended up at dark driving down to Nogales, which is actually on the border. So we were right on the Mexico border. We had to drive clear to the, clear to the Mexico border to come around the other side of these mountains. And, we end up getting in the camp at you know nine o'clock at night in the pitch black and we set up camp not really knowing what the train's going to look like in the morning we had kind of looked at it on the maps and so we get up early go, we hike in three and a half miles which you know was a hike back in there but this was actually where we had ran into our first hunters of the trip and we hike in and almost at first sight we see hunters and which is Funny because I was listening to podcast the other day, and you know people always talk about running into hunting pressure when your coos hunting, and they should say, and they say if you you know if you want to get away from hunting hunters when your coos hunting, go where the muleys aren't, and it was a hundred percent true. You know I guess hunters you know see the muleys as as a I guess the easier animal because on this tag you can shoot a coos or a muley. And so we had ran into a few hunters, and there were a lot of tracks around, but we hiked three and a half miles back in there, did a lot of hiking that morning, you know, had seven eight miles put on before noon, and hadn't spotted a single deer and We're just like, you know what we we've we've seen hunting pressure here, there's obviously deer here, but we would have seen something if if there was something here, there's a lot of deep cuts." You know, is is pretty much like straight flat, and then all of a sudden it drop into a deep cut, and we just spent all all morning glass, and those didn't see anything. So we're just like, let's go, you know, to the, you know, let's go forty five minutes around here, and we can maybe get back into some Coos country, into some higher elevation. So that's what we did, and uh, so we basically sped back to camp, packed it up, and got to this other glass and spot on the other side of the mountains. I mean by one thirty two o'clock I mean it was a quick trip and almost immediately Josh spots a really really nice coos and there were a couple bucks in the group and some does and Josh, we watch him bed and Josh's like all right we're not wasting any time you know I'm gonna go make a stock on this deer you know he had spotted where they had bedded and I was gonna glad I was gonna guide him in there with the glass and so Josh grabs his stuff you know cuts down the back side of the mountain and comes up the valley right below me and he's coming right up on these deer i mean the wind's absolutely perfect this buck is bedded i mean right by a tree i mean in the shade right where you want him it's like he's in the money you know his his does this buck's does had split off and went down the valley and so this buck was by himself essentially and josh is slipping right in and on there on him and all of a sudden from Josh's position, I see a doe bust up right where Josh is walking. I was like, "Uh Oh, you know, and this doe runs right past the buck and the buck wasn't spooked, but the doe was spooked. You know, she saw Josh coming up and runs right past the buck and the buck isn't spooked, but he stands from his bed and starts chasing her like he's rutting her. (laughs) And it's like, it's like, gosh, dang it. You know, he was, he was in perfect position and they go up and stand on this ridge and, uh, One thing we really discovered was when we were on these mountain faces, the wind might be perfect, but you go up on another slope and it's completely opposite. And, you know, the winds were kind of just ever changing, and Josh, you know, got close. I mean, he was within 120 of this buck. He got to actually, I think, 46 from the does. So they were right there. The buck's just, the buck was, like I said, split off from them. And, so josh is you know i'm watching him work up this ridge and the deer are just like constantly just staying just like one step ahead of him you know the winds were always changing and stuff and you know eventually i lose sight of these deer they go down in this deep valley and you know i'm texting back and forth with josh he's like you know they're just ahead of me and he he just ever couldn't ever get in front of them you know i mean i think 46 yards were the does and the bucks were like 120 130 and you know It wasn't for that one doe, I really think he would have slipped right in there on him. Anyways, Josh comes back to me and comes back with a coo shed, which was pretty cool because we had (laughs) talked about it the whole trip. You know, if we can find a shed, that'd be sweet. So that was kind of cool. And you know, we really didn't know what to do. You know, this was a new area. Obviously, there were deer here, and we'd both. I mean, it was crazy because we had both thought like the exact same thing when he came back to us. We're like, we got one day left. You know, we found a lot of deer here. There's obviously a lot of bucks. You know, if we had been in this area for three days and knew what they were doing, um, I would say stay here. And But it's like we walked in this unfamiliar place, found deer right away, bumped them out of where they normally are. You know, so it's like do we put our all our eggs in one basket and go here in the morning, you know, where we know the deer are, but we bumped them, don't really know their patterns and so ultimately we decided right there you know we almost said at the exact same time let's go back to buck mountain for Mm -hmm. our last day and so that's what we decided that was our best bet and we had put on a ton of miles that day by far our biggest mileage day and and uh so we were going back through tucson and decided you know let's get some real food let's get a good night's rest it was a long day all we had left to eat was mountain house and (laughs) So so we got a lot of food, which is like, tomorrow's going to be a big day, you know. this is We, re, we were really optimistic about this decision we made to return to where we knew the deer were. They had a couple of days to rest, you know. Basically, we were just ready to hit it hard in the morning. So we ate a big meal, went to bed early that night, and got up in the morning, and ultimately decided Josh was going to go to that glassing point where I first spotted the deer, the first buck that we saw. And I was going to go sit on the side of Buck Mountain where we had seen a buck chasing a doe down a trail, and there were a lot of tracks tracks there. And I was going to you know, try to get eyes on the deer on Buck Mountain while he was going to try to spot deer on this other slope. And he was going to text me if he saw deer there. And I was going to do the same if I saw some on Buck Mountain. I ended up setting along this trail. I didn't see any deer there that morning. So, I mean, obviously, we must have boogered him pretty good because we didn't see any there. And I get a text from Josh. He's like, I got eyes on a buck. He's like, I really don't think you should waste your time there. If you haven't seen anything, he goes, get your pack, get over here, come make a stock on them. So I descend down the mountain, I I get in the car, I throw my pack in, and man, after hiking with a pack for five days, I I just left it in the car because I I had my bow and my binoculars and rangefinder, and that's all I needed, and I just flew up that trail. I went and met Josh, and uh, he's like, all right, he's right there. He pointed out a couple landmarks, and I get eyes on the buck, and we kind of watched him for a while he'd been chasing these does and it was actually a, it was actually a spike and there's another spike with him was like I'm shooting the first thing I can you know it's the way these things act you know it's hard enough seeing them you know let alone getting in the stock I'm shooting the first thing I can and Josh so anyways this buck chases these does for a while and all of a sudden the does go over the mountain and the smaller spike followed him and this bigger spike kind of splits off by himself, and Josh is like, all right, I think you should make a move. And so this buck, we're hoping would bed, and he 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 wasn't, he was kind of just working up this draw, and Josh is like, all right, circle around on this trail, and I'll guide you down onto him. And this buck was straight below this rock face that was probably, I don't know, 40 foot high, but it was like a 90 degree rock face, you know, and he's like, if you can get to there, that buck's right below there. He's just working slowly up that draw, And so I run around the mountain and I, you know, I come to the edge of this trailhead and I texted Josh, like, you got eyes on me? Can you see me? And, you know, he texts me back. He's like, yep, I got eyes on you. And so I start picking my way to the west, you know, to this buck was about halfway across the mountain. So I get right in line with, with where the buck is. Josh is like, all right, start descending. So I start my descent right towards this rock face and I can see it coming up and, you know I'm picking my way down there slow I, I'm i taking a few steps you know walking on solid rocks every chance I can get that was one thing on this on this hunting trip I guess there's so much loose rock and everything is so loud walking but that was one thing about hunting in the mountains that compared to our other spots that really was helping us out there were all these solid rocks and I was stepping on one you know every chance I could take I'd stop I'd glass ahead you know, try to find what which route was the best to take, and so I picked my way down the mountain slowly. And Josh texts me, he's like, "You're right on top of that rock face. Stop right there." And so I, so I kind of slide my bino harness off of me, and you know, I knew I had to be pretty close. And he's like, "The buck is immediate. He's like, he's right below you, and he's feeding up the draw to your left." And I, I look over, and there's a shade tree right on the edge of this rock face. And, you know, so I decided to tuck in there and he's like, he's going to feed right up that draw, right, you know, right below you essentially. He's like, can you shoot that far? And so I get under this tree and, you know, I lay all my stuff down and I'm ranging. The end of the draw is like 47 yards, the furthest possible he's going to be. And he's like, he's going to come right up that draw. And so I knock an arrow and I'm ranging all these different spots, you know, like 47 is the furthest, and if he would have continued looking back, he was gonna probably gonna be about thirty-five. I mean, he was coming right there, and I settle in. And he's like, "All right, he's coming right to you," you know. And I, so I'm settling in. I kind of settle my boots back in behind me, and I got an arrow knocked, and I I clip my release on my loop, and got my rangefinder sitting there, and all of a sudden I hear a deer snort, and <laughs> as I was making my descent. We had a south wind, and I was on a f- south-facing slope, so the wind's coming up the slope, mm. plus it's morning, so the thermals are rising. So I got the wind, I mean, exactly where I went, where I wanted it to be, and I hear this deer snort, and i I get a text from Josh, and he's like, don't move. I think he smelled or heard you, and that's exactly what I did. I mean, I guess my wind was, I guess the wind was hitting that rock face, wrapping around it, and it must have been, You know, coming right around and blowing right to him. And if you go watch the video, I mean, you'll see the bucks kind of feeding right up. I mean, I was probably within 20 yards of getting a shot there. Mm. And I guess he just caught my wind and gray ghost once again disappeared. Josh's like, I lost him, you know, no idea where he went and didn't get eyes on him again. That was our last stock. I went up on that rock face and. I stood up there and ranged how far the buck was and he was like 36 yards from me and you know just that close um some things aren't meant to be you know it, a yeah. it fun stock though I mean that was probably in my hunting career one of my favorite stocks you know just going down that mountain you know running around one side coming down the other just picking my way down you know taking my time but gave it everything I could and you know just like I said when kind of swirled in that one spot and it's just how it is sometimes but anyways we spent a few hours glassing. after that didn't really spot anything up saw one coyote and decided you know what we had a heck of a run decided to get some food and drive part way back and get a hotel and shower for the first time in six days so that was i wonder uh, he
2: caught your wind
1: uh, yeah yeah no kidding yeah no no shower in six days i wonder why
0: oh man yeah it's always amazing how good that feels after, after being yeah, out of there you t- for the Yeah, you long, definitely
1: but. take it for granted. You know, uh, and yeah. you know, after going six days without it and kind of sleeping in your hunting clothes to stay yeah. warm at night, it definitely wreak up, work up a sweat and have a distinct scent to you by the end of six days. And I guess I should add on the end of that, we decided to stop and have a beer at a local brewery there on our way out of Tucson, <laughs> in our full camo, hadn't showered in six days. And on top of it, uh, they were having a vegan chili festival <laughs> <laughs> inside of this brewery. And uh, we walk in, of course, in our full camo and hadn't showered. And all these people are in there in, like, tie-dye shirts and stuff. Oh, And, my gosh. and Josh kind of nudges me and points at this vegan chili yeah. festival sign-up sheet. And... I just look at him and was like, I just want a beer, man. I I don't want anything to do with this vegan chili festival. And we were getting some weird looks from people in there, and decided it was probably time to leave after sitting in there for, yeah, twenty minutes. But
2: That's you know, if I was a, more of a jerk of a friend, I'd ask you if you took your tag and made that into your vegan soup. But, <laughs> you know, I. But I but I wouldn't about, do that. I thought yeah.
1: about it. You know what. I don't know. It was in my pocket for those six days. It might not taste too good either. <laughs> I could
2: have added really good flavor. Yeah, you never know. Mm-hmm. What See pocket you, was it in? I don't know. <laughs> you possibly could have just dropped it in a bowl in a bowl of chili before you left and just
1: exactly. But hey, you want to hang on to those things because I'm sure we'll get into discussion later. They're still good right now. I saw
2: a deal the other day that somebody took their uh, their tags that weren't filled by Christmas time and put them on their Christmas tree. Did they? Yeah, that's kind of cool. I usually have one or two left. I think I might start doing that. Yeah,
1: might as well do something with them. Right. Yeah. Paid for them.
0: (laughs) Oh man, that's geez, that's a good, uh, excellent story, man. Thanks for sharing, buddy. That was. Oh uh, yeah,
1: I we got in a few stocks and uh, gave it all we could. I mean, we went in there with no expectations, and I mean, looking back, there's a lot of things that I would do different. But now we know we learned. Yeah. I learned more in those five to six days than spotting and stalking than I have in a couple of years combined. You know, I felt like walking out of there. When people say that coos deer spotting stock with a bow is maybe the toughest challenge in North America, I I had my doubts going in that it was. And coming out of there, I I can say that I agree with them 100%. Hmm. I, you know, I I see you got lined up here. What did you learn, and what else? I mean, strategies that we used, and what yeah, I just what, did, whatever else we to talk there, about. But... That's kind of you know what I wanted to touch on. You know, you heard from our experience, but this is anyone's hunt. It's an over-the-counter hunt. You buy your hunting license, you go down there, and it's an over-the-counter tag. Good for a coos muley, um, basically. Looking back, if there's anything that I would do different, we talked about this. These deer are super aggressive. They're super territorial. And it's crazy because our deer back here in the rut, they don't hang out in groups. The bucks kind of go, you know, solo during the rut. These things still hang out in groups and they, the bucks will pester the does all day every day. And I think if you went in there with a decoy and you found a dominant buck with a group of does, I think you could get in there and slip right in with a decoy. I I do. That's one thing I would do different. They're aggressive. They're territorial. They get pissed off super easy. I mean, we watch some of these dominant bucks chase around smaller bucks and it's, I think that decoy could be, I mean, the difference between you getting 130 yards and 60 yards. Yeah. I mean, so, I think that's one thing that I could do different. Another thing not as fun in my opinion. I love the game of spot and stock. I'm all about it it you know i not to say you're in control of the situation, but you're the instigator. I think that if you went in there and you could set aside seven to ten days and I actually talked to a couple guys who who do that method who they'll they'll find a tree and if you can shoot fifty yards, if you sit there for seven to ten days you're a hundred percent going to get a shot. I mean, multiple, I think, um, like I said, not as fun, but I think if you want to get a shot and you had all the time in the world, I would definitely spend seven to 10 days and sit in a tree stand. And I think you could do it. There's a lot of different ways that you could do it. Some guys sit water. Those are a lot of guys you see hunting in December and August. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you just learn so much about a species when you're hunting them that long you know and it's like from day one to day six you know the biggest takeaway I have is if I had to go back I would take a decoy with me um we we both agreed that I think it'd be an effective method to hunt them um or I I even think if you had more time sitting in a tree stand you could definitely do it they're creatures of habit just like it's like a deer back here I mean they may have their differences but they're definitely creatures of habit so yeah awesome but yeah and i you probably caught me talking to eric earlier that the tags they so arizona allows you one deer per calendar year so that tag is good from january 1st to december 31st and you can hunt every season with it hmm. so if mm-hmm. you don't kill one in january go back in august you don't kill one then go back in december but yeah i guess
2: it's a good point yeah says the guy that's not married with kids yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, cool man. i didn't know that that is yeah, that is yeah. it's
0: it's weird but
1: yeah, yeah. no
0: that's jeez thanks zach i mean that's that was a that was awesome i i mean i i kept texting you during the thing i was like hey how's it going like are you are you seeing any like, mm-hmm. you know and i mean i get little updates here and there from you which i appreciated but i mean yeah i just I definitely wanted to just have you on the i mean obviously you're on every episode but just have you talk about this specifically because um you know like you said it just anybody can do this and exactly. it's inexpensive and you know yep. you can go on a it's an adventure hunt like it, it's it is. fun we, it's in your you
1: know, where else are you gonna go in the middle of january where it's 60 degrees and you're yeah. hunting <laughs> rutting deer in a t-shirt Yeah, you know it's just it's it's unique and not only that but we know we didn't get into them, but if you go to the further south units, you can get into Havelina, You can get into quadamundi, which is basically like a badger mixed with a
2: raccoon mixed Do you have with to... a. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I don't
1: know. It looks like a meerkat type of thing. <laughs> you can hunt quail. You can hunt ducks, jackrabbits. I mean. Do you have to have a tag for that stuff? Havelina, uh, to... yes. You you have to draw. But a lot of those units have leftover licenses, um you have to
2: draw a alina tag, yeah, oh, yeah,
1: you have to draw, but like I said, you can go in, and a lot of these units have leftover right. tags, yeah. and we never ran into any they're in the further south units, and you know those are more of the units that you see on t v where there's you know your glass, and there's Muley's down below the guys, and there's coos up above them. you know, kind of classic coos country not you know, in the middle of the mountains, but, Mm -hmm. but no, there's, there's so many different types of terrain you can hunt so many areas you can go. It's just, I recommend if you have the time to do it, it's literally anyone's hunt. Um, I say that, but I will say that it was definitely the most challenging hunt that I've ever been on. Um, granted, you know, I haven't done a whole lot, but it was physically challenging, I mean my body was exhausted every single day um it's not one of those hunts where you just go out there and just willy nilly walk around you know it's you get after it you do some hiking, you do some climbing you better be ready to spend hours behind the glass and you know bust it when you spot something it's It's a tough hunt, but anyone can do it it's it's uh something I would highly recommend
0: wow. awesome. Yeah. Anything else, buddy? I don't think so. Cool. No, that's that's perfect. So thanks, Zach, for sharing that with us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I kind of skipped over some, um, just a couple things I wanted to touch on really quick before Zach was talking. But this is just kind of some random things that I found on the, on the internet machine, as one of my buddies from college would always call it. But um, anyhow... The, I don't know if anybody heard but this uh this guy uh strangled a coyote with his bare hands in New Hampshire. Did you guys hear about this? <laughs> I heard something. Yeah, I lines, guess but... I guess the coyote like came and uh like grabbed his kid by the clothes and was and the wife stand, like stepped in and separated him and then they could tell like it was not going to leave him alone and so they he ended up somehow like I think he pinned it with his like stepped on it or somehow like grabbed its mouth or its muzzle and then somehow stepped on its throat and I don't know, it's just like, they, they determined that, or it sounds like it was probably rabid, but I saw that. Didn't the guy get bit? He did. Yeah. He got bit several times. Yeah. On his chest and his, his, I think his shoulder. So I'm assuming... He's getting treated, yeah. Okay. So no matter <laughs> what, they're going to treat him for yeah, rabies. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean they 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 have the coyote obviously, and they're going to test it. But yeah, they already had, it sounded like they had already started treating him for for rabies. So isn't this like the?
2: I was just hearing the other day that a coyote attacked somebody. Yeah, somewhere.
0: it's becoming more frequent. Maybe I don't know. I mean, I don't quote me on that. I I don't know that that for a fact. But it sounds like yeah. I don't know if it's just you know. I feel like sometimes you know we the media tends to um, get excited about things, you know, a a lot. And, and maybe, maybe this, you know, we hear about things more because of that, but definitely I've I've heard of a couple of these recently, but that's pretty awesome.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I don't really have any like, you know, heroic stories to tell that I've seen my kids. One time there was like a, like a wasp
0: (laughs) flying by my kid's head and I
2: grabbed the spray and I killed it. Nice. (laughs) I don't know. That that's, would equal up to I think fending off a coyote. I think that's pretty heroic with your bare hands.
0: Yeah, that's pretty heroic. I um, it's, uh, you know, thought that was pretty cool. But and then one more thing I, I I I saw this the other day. I thought this was really interesting. And maybe you guys won't think it's interesting at all. But I know I always I don't know you always hear when you're a kid or you know my, my mom always said oh you put a hat on because you lose half your body heat through your head or whatever. I don't, you guys hear that when you were. Yeah, I heard yeah. something oh, yeah. to that effect. But anyhow, you um I just read this the other day they were talking about that is you know, is this actually true and that actually some people have done some studies and that it's not in fact true, which makes sense, but um that it's only like seven to ten percent of your heat loss is through your head. Um and it has more to do with the skin the skin area on your On your body versus actually Hmm. like, you know, I just thought that was interesting. Now, hold on a minute. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to argue with this. All right, go ahead. A little. Yeah. Because a guy like me, awfully
2: thin. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) I just took my hat off and both of them laughed. Awfully thin on the top. So you're telling me that a guy like me would be more, I would lose more heat through my
0: head. You might be on like the 10% side. And Zach and I that's might be it? more on like the seven percent. I mean, be honest. Yeah, well, maybe <laughs> twelve. <isn't> that? <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> See, I, yeah. I just.
2: Then again, I well. Wonder if a ball cap helps that much? Because I, I was going to say it, I usually I, have a hat on, but probably helps. That's some. more for sunburn purposes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I gotta
2: bring this up because we're talking about random facts. I read one the other day, and this might be a little controversial for this podcast, but I'm gonna throw it out there anyway. Perfect. <laughs> did you guys see the one about does gutting a deer make your farts oh. stink? No,
0: <laughs> I I did see that. Did one, you see? Yeah, it go or, ahead, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah.
2: So there was a deal uh, thrown out there that there was a survey done that do you know gutting a deer or gutting a turkey, whatever you may be doing, working with cleaning a turkey, does it make your fart smell like turkey? I don't know about you guys, but I'm a firm believer in that.
1: 100%. Yeah,
2: hundred percent. Sure. That's everybody I've talked to. <laughs> Their deal said no. Yeah, yeah. In fact, they said the doctors state, well, you probably just have it you know, fresh in your nose, so when that happens, yeah. that's what, no. I don't no, believe it. No, hurts. I think it like no. absorbs
0: through your skin and then it's it comes greater, out of your, you know, yeah. right. And I helped clean twenty nine <laughs> rabbits the other day at the rabbit yeah. hunt, yeah. The, the bunny hunt we were talking about. And yeah. I can
2: assure you, it was not my nose. Yeah, because the whole truck agreed the way home. Everything, so. <laughs> peons, rabbits, turkeys. For sure. So yeah. it's here to say it, folks. Even though apparently it's been proven wrong. Yeah.
0: No, it's, it's science it, according to Eric. I, I beg science is right science mm-hmm. we might have to start oh man that was mm-hmm. a catchy little segment there did you hear that what'd you just say science according to eric yeah man that's to, to, according to. Eric. we might have to start a regular little bit here science according to eric here i mean you bring science. it on i got i could come up with something every oh week yeah well that'd be it. perfect so and i'll
2: most of it will probably <laughs> be wrong and why it's right in my eyes yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ride anyhow. with me for a day after i clean a deer and we'll just
0: we'll, we'll talk we'll yeah <laughs> yeah that's good anyway Cool. Well, thanks, guys. Anything else? Uh, I guess write your senator. Yes. Something I would say write come to the senator, banquet. Yep. Come to the banquet. Yep. We
1: want to see you all there. Definitely. Yeah. Bring your out. Yes. Yeah, bring your yes, yes, mounts.
2: Yes, yes. uh, yeah. Zach's gonna go back as many times as he needs to before he kills a coos deer this year
1: yeah just don't tell my mom she, uh,
2: harlan, Cara, shut off the harlan will yep. be on board my mom won't so. so of course harlan will be there with you next time
1: well we'll see he was in new orleans uh well he was close so enough he, yeah. he just made the trip over i know i gotta talk him into going there he'd love it yeah he, i bet he would sounds good guys well yeah thanks well, yeah got we uh Got a couple good episodes coming up, too, so hopefully Definitely. have this one out to you soon and catch up with some NBA members at the banquet and record yeah. a couple and get them out to you guys. For sure. So
2: Sounds good. Anything else, Eric? I, I think I've pretty much said all I need to say today. All right. Well, this is Kyle Klammer. And this is Zach Welch. This is Eric
0: Albrecht.
1: And this is... The Good Life Hunter, the official podcast of the NBA.
0: Thanks, guys. We'll see you at the banquet.